and welcome to What? It is your part documentary, part roundtable podcast with a sprinkling of competition. I'm your host, Ellie Main, and joining me, as I have every week, is my good friend, Chelsea Halfbush. Chelsea, how are you? You know, uh, just living my life in the allergy capital of the United States. Uh, my voice, yeah, my voice <laughs> sounds normal. crisp. <laughs> I think I'm sounding truly regular. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what people love to hear. So I was trying to give people what they like. Which is just a regular squeakle. Just a regular squeakle, maybe emphasis on squeak. You are sort of, you like, I feel like you're more like anti-squeakle right now. You, you couldn't sound less like a chipmunk is what I'm saying. Like Oh, like low and slow. <laughs> low and slow. Smooth like honey. Just mm-hmm. beautiful, sonorous, smooth. Uh-huh. Fun to hear. Oh, like a perfume commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. I love that for me. Have you been away this weekend? You sent yes. a picture from a rather fabulous looking place. Yes. Conmore and I did a little staycation Cute. and we went to this hotel that is in downtown Austin that I had always wanted to go to and it fucking whipped and I found Yay. out that you can live at the hotel like Eloise, like the first, <laughs> the first like 10 floors or whatever are the hotel and uh-huh. then the top 10 floors are residences. Oh, yeah. So you can live there. And it just, you know, look, it's affordable. It's reasonable. <laughs> I'm sure. A, like, glorified studio starts at $2.5 million. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> so I said to Connor over lunch, because we were having lunch next to the pool, you know, as as you do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, Connor, if I make $2.5 million and I buy us one of these condos, can we live here? <laughs> and he had the exact appropriate reaction, which was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, when you have that $2.5 million dollars like an uber driver being told that elon musk isn't a good person yeah just like you're okay <laughs> anyway that's why it's gonna feel so good when i do make that 2.5 million dollars and move then us he's into really that. gonna be sorry <laughs> yeah then he's gonna be sorry then he's gonna be like wow i guess i have to eat crow in the sky can i tell you about something horrific that happened to me today but also something extremely validating Okay, I'm intrigued. So I have always been quite dramatic about flying, stinging insects, right? I don't like them. I don't like them in my space. Right. I'm not as dramatic as my sister who does listen to this podcast, What's Up, Jesse? But this is also going to be validation for you because today there I was outside minding my own business, talking to my friend. And in my peripheral vision, there's like a little shadow and I bat it away and I think nothing of it. And then I feel a searing fucking pain in my hand because I had been stung under the (gasps) fingernail by a yellow jacket. Oh, that is horrendous. Under the fingernail? Under the fucking fingernail. Apparently, I didn't even know that was possible. She had caught herself betwixt my flesh and enamel and went to fucking town on it. And I was really not trying to be dramatic, but it really fucking hurt. And so I ran inside and I was like, (laughs) I was trying to get ice out of the ice machine and like also trying not to just outwardly sob and Miles is like are you okay and I was like (laughs) and it doesn't hurt as much anymore but holy shit I just I feel so validated about every time that I made a big deal about there being a stingy little insect around me because that shit sucks because it was actually because it finally happened and it was fucking awful and it was everything that I thought it would be in negative terms it sucked it was terrible oh and it hurt so fucking bad and it was one of those things that like after like 10 minutes everyone else had moved on but I was still very much in that space of yeah. my 
finger's on fire. I feel like my fingernail has been shot off. Oh, it was horrid. That sounds absolutely horrid. All that is to say is that it punted the fact band that I had out of my mind. Just right out. Yeah, just right out of there. But I do kind of have like an on-the-fly TikTok corner fact bang maelstrom mashup. Okay. So have you seen the videos on TikTok of the lady that's like, another great day of saving the bees? Yes. And she's in Texas. She's in Texas and she lets all the little like little fairy little bees crawl all over her hands, right? Yeah. And it's like, lady, why? Well, <laughs> apparently there is someone who has great umbrage with this because there's a particular like type of bee that is super aggressive and you don't know and let like until you remove the floorboard or whatever, which kind of bee it is. And so she's like, I guess like kind of false advertising by being like, mm, actually bees are really cute and great and they don't even try and hurt you because there are some colonies of bees that really fucking do. That absolutely would. <laughs> that absolutely will and would if you even like get close to them and she's got these like you know cute little fuzzy bees walking all over her fingers and she's like <laughs> she's like see it's fine bees. and also when she like saves these bees she then like takes them to use them for whatever like kind of honey business that she has uh, so she I like ot- she obtains the bees it's not like a and I set them free to be bees again and I just let them simply be bees <laughs> it's like no she's like so she's just, straight she's harvesting bees she's got like a bee MLM oh no a BLM. oh wait just, never mind don't no, no, say that no 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 so that's my I mean a sorry excuse for a fact bang that's a fact bang I liked it. I enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. Chelsea, what is the title of your topic this week? Oh my gosh, are you ready? I don't know. Am I? <laughs> uh, the title of my topic is Welcome to Crush. Welcome to Crush? Yep. Is it about the TV show called Crush? Is there a TV show called Crush? I have to assume that there is a 90s TV show called Crush, and I'm looking it up right now, and yes, there is. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, I know that there's a 90s movie called Crush uh, that I believe is Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Elwes and it's every like male screenwriter's creepy victim fantasy mm-hmm. where a really hot teenage girl wants to have sex with you as an adult man so much but then you <laughs> have to say no because you're like doing the right thing and then she punishes <laughs> you for it oh my god no yeah oh it's from 1993 and it's called The Crush I'm so sorry is it about that it is but it is about exactly what I've s- like I said I have seen this movie unfortunately no I mean like is your topic about that oh god no <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, Absolutely not. Say it again. What does it say it again? Welcome to Crush. Welcome to Crush. Welcome to Crush. Is it a, so is it a place? Kind of. Kind of a place. It's like a It's it kind a of theme? a place. Is it a theme park? Kind of. Oh, okay. Crush. Huh. I don't know. Is is it mm, is it in Los Angeles? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay, interesting. That one's right. definitive. Is it an internet thing? No. Oh, I missed I don't know. Oh. I'm I think you're going to be happy. Oh, yeah. Well, do you want to hear the title of my topic? I absolutely do. Please tell me, dearly. Plato's Ireland. Plato's Ireland. Plato's Ireland. Is this about like when the Romans and everybody were in the Isles? 
when they were just simply in the aisles. <laughs> when they were just like hanging out in like England and Ireland and everywhere. I mean, in a way, and that you could trace modern history back to that always. <laughs> so, yes I mean, no. case closed, if so you think about then, it. So, then, so, big yes, but like a so little yes. no. <laughs> Is it like Plato's Closet, but Ireland, where you can trade out <laughs> parts of Ireland and get what? money for them? <laughs> No, no, no. It's gonna be a no. It's just gonna be a straight no. No, no that's okay. just a, it's a up and down. It's not no. even like a partial, which is like not just like a straight no. No, it's just a straight. It's a straight no. Does it have to do with Plato the person? Yeah. Fucking nailed it. Welcome to Crush. Okay. So the year is 1896. Okay, so okay, I'm way off already in my mind. Good, <laughs> good, good, good. The year is 1896, and you're hanging out in the second largest city in the state of Texas. Galveston? No. Oh. There is uh, a tent constructed by P.T. Barnum uh, with, oh a, with a restaurant in it that you can go and, and have like snacks and, and lunch. Uh-huh. There are games and rides and lemonade stands everywhere. It's very, like, picturesque. Everybody okay. who's hanging out there really has the same energy as all of us are bringing to summer 2021 of just, like, absolute, like, hedonism. Okay, yeah. We're fucking booling. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, you might have thought that we were in Galveston, because, like, we've talked about on this podcast before, Galveston was supposed to be the Houston of Texas for yeah. the hurricane that happened in the early 20th century. Which was we're not. Like. Yeah, and you might think that maybe we're in San Antonio, or that we're in, you know, even Austin. Oh, the capital. But we're not. We are 40,000 strong in the city of Crush, Texas, which is, which is about 15 miles north of Waco. You've been to Check Stop, right? Check Stop. This is getting a little insular. Um, I don't know if have I have. you ever been to Check Stop? No. So when you're driving up and down I-35 in Texas, uh-huh. Uh-huh. there is a little town called West Texas, 15 miles north of Waco, and it's known for all of its Czechoslovakian. It's got a large Czechoslovakian oh. like heritage, and they have a bunch of Czechoslovakian bakeries that sell. The first time I ever had a kolache in my life was at Check Stop, and yes. it used to be that was like a thing. Like you would always stop and Check Stop and get a kolache amazing or, you know 12 oh now i want a kolache so bad i know so that's just a point of reference but okay west texas is there now and west texas was there then but crush only existed for about 24 hours because crush was a pop-up city what yeah Wait, wh- <laughs> what okay like a festival kind of so basically what happened was it's 1896 none of the world wars have happened yet um, <laughs> sure. which as which as you know well the reason i bring that up because they were a big boon for the economy. So apparently, right. I, so also, I guess I'll say this because I'm, th- I'm thinking about this in real time. Like, Ellie, you didn't go to school in America, like high school. So right. I imagine that like American history in general wasn't the focus of your high school experience. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. even... It was a lot of just like how you were really late to a couple of wars. Yeah, oh, that's fun. <laughs> so I will tell you that like this specific period of history, like the 1890s, not something that we learn about like real in depth. It's more uh-huh. like, you know, you 
you have the Civil War, and then, oh, let's not talk about that anymore. And yeah. then it's uh, the Industrial Revolution of, like, the 1880s. Yeah. And then that was fine. And then you're going to want to go straight into, like, the Great Depression. Yeah, you're going to want to skip straight World to that. World War I, kind of, but, like, not that interesting. Because uh, <laughs> we didn't get bombed. And yeah. so then you're going to want to go, you're going to skip all the way to 1929 Great Depression. So the yeah. 1890s, something I didn't know until I was reading about this pop-up city, this 24-hour city that was for 24 hours the second biggest city in the state was <laughs> apparently in the 1890s bad like economic downturn all around the country okay. like people were feeling sad and mad and not glad and <laughs> and part of it was because the railroad was beginning its decline oh, so no. yeah like up until this point like I mean still the railroad is going to be the primary way that like people and things can travel quickly across the country and the country's big as fuck we still don't, we're still like a few years out from cars and like we're a few decades out from cars kind of being the primary mode of transportation right we're still a few decades out planes we're standing trains we're standing trains but what's happening is and this is kind of similar to what then eventually happened with interstates is that you have one locomotive like you have like one train track yeah and then a bigger one is built uh and then that makes that other smaller locomotive obsolete sure yeah and then when that happens, those cities that built up around like that station or whatever, they just go away. They're yeah. like railroad based ghost towns, like all over, especially sort of like the Midwest and like the Crazy. Great West or whatever. So this is starting to happen in Texas. There was this big railroad that was called the MKT, Missouri, Kansas, Texas Railroad. Guess where it went? You'll never guess. <laughs> um, those three places? Yeah. And so okay. they they used to call it the Katy because MKT, the Katy. Cute. It was starting to face like declining ticket sales because they had recently built a new bigger better one um, going going east to west so there's a passenger agent yeah in Texas and his name is William George Crush Hell yeah. and he comes up with a publicity stunt that is going to fucking take the passengers of the Katy by storm and they are going to <laughs> travel far and wide via train in order to witness this publicity stunt and basically his idea is <laughs> That they should take two trains and put them on the track, on the same track facing each other, and Uh just make them crash right into each other. Just crash into each other, like, full speed, Uh, head-on collision. That's And that's it. Like, that's, like, he literally, like, went to the board members and were, like, was, like, hey, you know what would be really fucking sick? What if we crashed some of these trains? Yeah, we took two decommissioned trains and crashed them together. And they were all, like, uh, no, you can't do that. that sounds bad idea. It's not just that they would like hit and then they wouldn't they would be broken because like that was fine that's whatever it's that <laughs> at this time you know trains are steam engines meaning they yeah. have big old boiler rooms yeah. that are like basically big old bombs yeah and so you're gonna you're gonna crash these two bombs together um, and they were like no so then they were like okay well problem solved we just need to do it out in the middle of nowhere and then oh, they say good. they say but mr crush if we do it out in the middle of nowhere what will people do all day besides the like 30 seconds it takes to make two trains crash into each other and he said I'm so glad you asked turns out I'm fucking bonkers and 
I think we should make a city. So like that is where like the idea of the pop-up city came. So you can actually find pictures of these like um, advertisements that they put out. It says special excursion ticket account collision. Good only on special train number seven leaving from Dallas, Texas to crush Texas on September 15th, 1896. It was a $2 round trip ticket, which back then, not the cheapest thing in the world. Uh And then you get out there, you you ride out, you know, from Dallas, you get out to uh, just outside of Waco. They've constructed a new piece of three mile track that is away (laughs) from the regular track so that it won't hopefully blow up the Katy. Sure. And then they get these two trains. One is engine number 999. It's a 35 ton locomotive, bright green with red trimming, like like a classic train. You're just going to want to think about a classic train. Big old train. And then the other one is another 35 ton locomotive, the 1001. So we have the 999 and the 1001. Okay. And the 1001's colors are the exact reverse. So it's bright red trimmed in green. Oh my God. Just a Christmas explosion. Yeah. So this is going to be a whole fucking thing. <laughs> so they create a like a 2100 foot station platform. They create a big like grandstand just for VIPs. Like I said, P.T. Barnum helped them create a pop-up restaurant, which right. restaurants were at the kind of beginning of, of their existence outside of like the absolute elite. So this was a right. big deal. Carnival games, sideshows, performers, like everything that you could do, like vendors. So in I think like in our parlance, we would think about it more almost like, I don't know, like a Renaissance festival instead of being themed like, well, the, like 1500s. the 1500s. <laughs> yeah, it's like theme. Yeah, it's like a carnival. But like the way that they, they set it up, like they got like the government on board where they were like, just for this day only, September 15th, 1896, this is the city of Crush. Named after the guy that, that did it. Famous ragtime musician who was from Texas named Scott Joplin. They believe that he was at the event because he wrote a song later called The Great Crush Collision March. And this is what it sounds like. fun little little plinky plunky vibe Ooh, we're about to joust with some trains yeah That's yeah, the vibe. yeah for sure yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes So So now it's four o'clock. It's time. The train personnel, the engineers, the conductors, they get the trains going. They get up to just a blistering 10 miles per hour. People are freaking (laughs) the fuck out. (laughs) Mile two hits. Now they're up at 50 miles an hour. Uh, People have never seen this before. Losing their fucking minds. Now, um, here's where things get a little dicey. Oh, gosh. Okay. So (laughs) the trains hit. And in something that shocked everyone that was there, except for the handful of engineers who had originally said this was a really bad idea, yeah. uh, the boilers burst. Okay, so yeah, that did happen. So they so they did happen. Ron Miller, who is a professor at Texas State Technical College, says that the trains hit with a force of impact ranging between one and two million pounds of force. What? <laughs> and then because each train had six boxcars attached to it, you know, for spectacle, when they kind of all accordioned in on each other, they created additional waves of force. Oh my gosh. The boilers burst, which they all knew could be a possibility. Yeah. Um, but they, I think what Mr. Crush was imagining was that it was going to like be a big, I mean, I guess he probably wouldn't have had the term mushroom cloud at the time, uh, but <laughs> like like a big upward, like whoosh, and it would yeah. be a spectacle. Like that's why they, they were like, this is fine. We moved everybody out of town. We created a fake town. Yeah. 
But no, because, ooh, what they didn't think about was when this big boiler bomb goes off, there's still fucking metal train all around it. So it just sends the shrapnel of the train (gasps) straight into the crowd. Just straight. And they all, they all get like fucking hammered with just like (gasps) shards of iron. Oh my gosh. At least two people died, but like dozens were injured. A Waco-based photographer lost his eye and screws and bolts were lodged in his head for the rest of his life. Holy shit. This part is like a little bit more they had it coming. The people who were in the back of the crowd, who were not, I guess, like sort of like in the immediate line of fire of the shrapnel, then ran ahead, not to necessarily help people, but to try to grab souvenirs. But joke was on them, because once again, what happens when bomb go off? Bomb hot. So all these pieces of shrapnel (laughs) that have now like fallen everywhere are um, like red hot pieces of iron. So they all burned their hands. So they account for a large amount of the the, um, injury that took place uh, and then here's the absolute best part <laughs> Crush was fired on the spot in Crush, Texas in the, in the city that holds his name amazing but then after it after it happened Katie the Katie the like you know train people train business uh-huh. train corp they were like bracing for this major backlash right they were like oh my god we're gonna have to like put out a public apology ring all the papers we're gonna have to like give all these free tickets away and it just never happened people were like dude that was fucking sick yeah that <laughs> was awesome yeah that was awesome <laughs> so then he was rehired oh like, so he well, got his job back people actually kind of like this so <clears throat> good job yeah they rehired him but they told me couldn't do it again don't smash the trains again yeah but no more no more smashing trains you can find a picture of it i'll see if i can send this this photo the story did make national headlines <laughs> but like i said like there wasn't really a lot of negative publicity mr crush ended up working for the katie for six decades. What? Um, yeah, and the way that they settled loss, the way that the Katy Railroad settled lawsuits with the people who did die or like the families of the people who died is they just gave them lifetime rail passes. Oh my God. This one's kind of a bummer. That photographer I was talking about that lost yeah. his eye and you know he's a photographer so it's kind of important. Yeah. He got a settlement from the Katy of, for about $10,000 which in 2020 would be about $300,000 so not not a ton. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of sad. So I guess in the in the most strictest sense, it was a success because they set out <laughs> to make two engines crash into each other and, they and sure two engines crash and they sure did. Um, and then they thought there would be backlash because oops hurt people and there wasn't. This is like the pioneer of what I think of as like a true American pastime, which is like, <laughs> what if we just smash two big ass things into each other, like monster trucks yes, or like something it's that true. my yeah something my dad used to take me to in Slidell. It's a very like backwoods hill belly thing to do but have you ever heard of like stock car racing no stock car racing is where you just take cars that are fucked up and you race them and you kind of treat them like bumper cars oh, it's like man. okay i mean like nascar would be like the fancy <laughs> version of it but like the stock car racing that we would go to would literally just be in like a dirt field and it would just be like shitty fucked up cars that like went as fast as they could and then would like break apart while driving and oh then they would God. hit each other and i just yeah i just think like cars hitting that each other like a death wish <laughs> Trains hitting each other, national pastime. Yeah, big smash. Americans like that is fantastic. That is the in- incredibly true tale of the 24 hour city in Texas that was for one day the second largest city in the state of Texas. That's so fucking awesome, dude. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Man, I've just written so, um, so many things down here. Okay. Um, what have we got here? Head on collision. Woo! Eight points. Uh, <laughs> engine 999, classic train. I did enjoy that a lot. <laughs> 
um, I've got a little picture of a corn dog that I drew. Um, That's fun. Yeah, and basically all that comes out to 16, 16 points. Oh, I'll take a 16. I've written explosion. Explosion. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that should account for some points being taken off off of like the destruction and like you know just like white men getting away with it. But I say, and the lack of consequences. Yeah, the absolute lack of consequences, and everyone was like, "Hey, you know what? That was real. That was actually pretty cool. You know what? Take your job back. Fuck you it. know what? He was hired back the next day, so he was oh, okay. his his city existed for twenty four hours, and then he was fired for twenty four hours, and then he worked there for sixty years. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> to show something. It is show something. Okay, I'm so excited. I feel like you're going to be very excited about this topic. And I feel like also we've kind of thrown around the idea of doing this topic for a really long time. And it's been one of those things in the back of my mind of like, I should look into that. And I did. And here we are. (laughs) I'm very excited. Did you know that Plato created the legend of Atlantis? What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? What we know. Okay, say more right now. Most of what we know about the legend of Atlantis comes from a writing of Plato uh, that was sort of like an essay about the human condition. Apparently, one of Plato's most famous stories, and there's me being like, well, then I'm dumb, is the cataclysmic destruction of the ancient city of Atlantis. Mm -hmm. So it's more than 2,300 years later, and we're still talking about this legend of an underwater city. But I have some really... Okay, so this came out like a couple of months ago. This was a story, an article that I read, and it blew my mind. But I'm going to like start from the very beginning and take us through it. I just got overexcited myself about it. Oh my God. So Plato told the story of Atlantis in around 360 BC. So a long ass time ago. And the story goes that the founders of Atlantis were half God and half human. And they created a utopian civilization and became this great naval power. And the city of Atlantis was made up of concentric islands that were separated by wide moats and linked by a canal that penetrated to the center. So there was this like kind of crazy looking, very like planned out kind of Venice-like area. Okay. Um, And these were like lush islands that had gold and silver and other like precious metals and loads of like rare exotic wildlife and had this sort of capital city on the central island. So it was very much this like paradise kind of description of a place. Okay. Since Plato's writing of this story, which he says has been handed down through like ancient Egyptian civilization and was like before, you know, how we only have like 2% of recorded his- of human history is written down and the rest of mm-hmm. it like we don't really know about. So the idea was that like for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, this story had been passed down through first Egypt and then to other places around the Mediterranean. And okay. so the theory goes then that Atlantis, the city was in the Mediterranean, maybe off the coast of Spain or like now what is now Antarctica. Pretty much you can kind of pick a spot on the map and someone has said that Atlantis was there. Like someone has theorized and tried to prove every place that you can imagine there have been so many like claims like we found the kingdom of Atlantis we've done it we've done it you're welcome but so even though this was a sort of only a told story a told and remembered and retold story Plato's writings about Atlantis are the only known like records quote unquote of his existence okay few if any scientists think that it was actually ever a real place like you know they, they treat it much more like a fable or a story I'm about to reveal like something borderline embarrassing mm-hmm. because I know generally who Plato is yeah and I think of him I guess as a philosopher which 
could be incorrect. No, that's so, I mean, correct. Was he, so was he known for writing fables? Kind As in, like, of. is it, like, just, like, not out of place for him to have, like, written an account of, like, an entirely fictional place? Not at all, because so he was a Greek philosopher, so, you know, he would write these allegories about human existence and the way that humans work, so it was definitely not out of place for him okay. to... In his retelling of it, he's like, this is an old story that's been told to me before. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I see. Yeah, he was like, this has been passed down by poets and priests and a bunch of other people, but his writing is the only, like, existing record of the existence of Atlantis. So, yeah, so obviously few scientists think that it's ever, it was ever a real place. The ocean explorer Robert Ballard, who the National Geographic, who was like the National Geographic Explorer in Residence, who discovered... Oh, your dream! Who, who discovered, and here it comes, discovered the record of the Titanic in 1985. Um, there it is. And there it and is. And there folks. it is. <laughs> he notes that no Nobel laureates have said that what Plato wrote about Atlantis is true, but the legend of Atlantis is still a logical one, since cataclysmic floods and volcanic explosions have kind of always happened. Uh-huh. And most cultures record an event that had similarities to the story of the destruction of Atlantis, which is, as we know, the city became drowned. Yeah, and went down. And went down and is under the water. About 3,600 years ago, a massive volcanic eruption devastated the island of Santorini in Greece, which is like, if you look it up, it's that like very idyllic postcard island with like little blue roofs. I think there's like an Overwatch map based on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, a, perfect, it's just a real white blue. Yeah. That's it. Perfect little Greek island. This became a huge theory that Santorini was supposedly Atlantis. But it doesn't oh, yeah. really make a ton of sense. Every scientist rolls their eyes when someone's like, it's supposed to be here. But recently, a sort of dedicated group of natural scientists decided to strip back the Atlantis legend to its very core. And they discovered sort of the three key factors was that the legend originated in ancient Egypt, Atlantis was an island in the Atlantic Ocean, and that the Atlanteans were an advanced Stone Age seafaring kind of people. Okay. If they're real, right? I mean... As we say, like, every time someone finds a brick underwater, they're like, this is from Atlantis. And so <laughs> most scientists are like, you know, come on, if you're going to bring me an Atlantis theory, it's got to be pretty rock solid, man. Um, it's got to be stronger than this. It's got to be stronger than this. Surely if there was this, like, mother culture that existed, a civilization that predated the Greeks and the Egyptians, there has to be physical evidence. Right. Otherwise, this is just a fable and it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny. Right. I mean, there would be, like, trade evidence right like there even if the be. city yeah yes we have the technology and they have done this geologists have mapped the entire atlantic seabed and are adamant that there is no lost sunken civilization under the earth like this is, they say that there is nothing there and that this I idea mean, of a huge sunken island completely lacks credibility i mean unless they're covering it up unless but. they're covering it up but then so this society they then posit that if an atlantis mother culture existed there must still be evidence above ground which is kind of what you're saying like there must be trade evidence there must be some physical evidence that this place existed so they decided to decided fuck off Plato's book let's ignore that and let's go right to the source ancient Egypt and find out what we can Mm -hmm. so that's what they did okay I'm on board. They found ancient Egyptian texts that describe how Egypt's ancestors came from a sacred island in the Atlantic Ocean that was devastated by a great flood, which sounded pretty familiar. This group, by the way, is from the Keystone University. Okay. I don't know where that is. I assume it's in America. I could yeah. probably, I could look it up. So this is what they're doing right now. They are conducting the largest investigation ever conducted into the legend of Atlantis using cutting edge techniques from multiple disciplines and reviewing thousands of ancient texts, including very rare manuscripts scripts from Egypt and Greece. 
And as a result, they have compiled over a thousand pieces of evidence to support a surprising location for the lost island of Atlantis. Okay, where? Wait. Ireland. Ireland? Ireland. <laughs> You're talking about that Emerald Isle? I'm joking about that old Emerald Isle. The okay. island of Ireland. Yes. It's not the first time that Ireland has been sighted as Atlantis, apparently. In like 2004, Dr. Ulf Erlinson, who was a prize-winning okay. Swedish scientist, which is a very fun name, published yeah. the book Atlantis from a Geographer's Perspective, which I also <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And he, in that book, claimed that Ireland was the legendary lost island and had all these physical descriptions and measurements from Plato's Atlantis that perfectly matched up. But obviously most of his colleagues and peers were like, sorry, but like writing an academic paper about Atlantis is pretty much professional suicide. It's the IRL thing of like, that always happens in movies, you know, where it's like, <laughs> why'd you like give up your promising career to chase ghosts around? Nobody's going to take you seriously. That's exactly it. Don't write a book about Atlantis, mate. You're going to look like a knob. But yeah. he did it anyway. And then when he was interviewed, he said, sometimes a scientist has to do what a scientist has to do. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> You've got to give it all up for science. Leave so it all out on the pavement. Keystone University said, Dr. Erlingson, yes. In fact, yes. And their research includes many additional pieces of evidence that simply were not available to Erlingson when he wrote his book, which was like 20 years ago. So it is a well-known historical fact that the Egyptian civilization predated the Greeks by thousands of years, right? This we know. Yes. Nash. But it's also well known that the Stone Age constructs in Ireland were built long before Egyptian pyramids and temples. Like, they way outdated. We're talking like Stonehenge kind of shit. Yeah. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. So there's this incredible area called the New Grange, which is Ireland's Stone Age temple that is this, like, megalithic structure that they used boats to transport dozens of huge boulders from the site to somewhere that was over, like, you know, 30 kilometers away. Like, And these boulders were, like, 10 tons big. So that was a huge... Massive fucking boat. <laughs> These things are supposedly 5,000 years old, which makes them a couple thousand years older than the pyramids. And also, it has that strange, freaky thing that a lot of ancient stuff does where it's perfectly aligned to the rising sun at the winter solstice. Oh, which, I love shit like that. Yeah, you know that, like, you know how it's like true north instead of magnetic north and all that kind of right. stuff. A stunning level of astronomical, mathematical construction knowledge from 5,000 years ago. And we're like, very, very scary. So, living in Ireland before ancient Egyptian civilization there were these master builders who were master astronomers and had fucking incredible naval facilities huge stone age navy and obviously it's an island located in the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> we know this much yeah so there's like over a hundred thousand stone age constructions still in Ireland including these like massive megaliths um, and these constructions that you would have heard of like cairns and stone circles and passage tombs and all this like very forgotten pagan ancient history that Ireland has. And so, you know, this is now becoming a much more viable theory than Atlantis rather being a city at the bottom of the ocean is an island in the Atlantic that does exist. Okay, but do any of them have an explanation for why all of these writings would then mention Ireland being lost to the sea when Ireland is very much, uh, last time I checked, above sea? Yes. Yes, they okay. do. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> so many descriptions of Plato's Atlantis perfectly fit Ireland. There are also a few that don't. Plato's legend is useful, but not completely reliable because it kind of combines two separate but related myths. But there are some things that do make sense. So Plato's Atlantis was an island in the Atlantic with a fertile circular plain surrounded by mountains that descended towards the sea. And from this very comprehensive study, they've discovered that Ireland is the only island on Earth 
Earth that has these features. Plato's Atlantis had a temperate climate that was produced two crops per year, and Ireland has one of the most temperate climates on Earth, and to this day produces two crops a year, winter and spring. Potatoes. Potatoes, exactly. Winter and spring potatoes. Meanwhile, Ireland's fields are the oldest agricultural fields on Earth. Plato's Atlantis had hot and cold springs, and Ireland has 27 warm springs and thousands of cold ones, as known locally as the Holy <laughs> Wales. Just so many of these things lined up that they were like, it makes complete sense that there was this ancient civilization living in Ireland that has now become this mythical lost city of Atlantis. So... In Plato's tale, he also described this huge circular city with an abundance of elephants, gold, and ivory, which is actually a reference. This is what I mean by he kind of combined two myths. This is actually a reference to an ancient city of Cairn, which is an early Irish settlement in Africa. Oh. Yeah, so Cairn, which is spelled C-E-R-N-E, is derived from the Irish word Cairn, which means stacked or piled rocks. And if you've ever, like, you know, you've gone hiking, there are usually little sort of like cairns that mark hikes and stuff like that. Cairns are heavily associated with the Greek messenger Hermes, and he has an Egyptian equivalent, Thoth. But then to kind of to tie it all back, in Greek history, the name Cairn references two distinctly separate places, an African city and an island in the Atlantic Ocean. That was 12 days oh. sail from the Strait of Gibraltar. So this is how Plato got confused and wrote these two places as one place. But Cairn, which is an Irish word, used to refer to both this city in Africa and an island in the Atlantic Ocean. Whoa. Yeah. So in Greek mythology, Atlas was the first king of two separate places, the island of Atlantis and the kingdom in Africa. So these places have always been linked and it has been confirmed as an Irish settlement. Wow. So yeah, so it's like a little bit, you have to kind of dig into it, but it, it, it starts to like reveal itself. It's kind of crazy. But it all makes sense. So you know, we're talking about trade. There are loads of records of voyages between Ireland and Greece, Mauritiana and Egypt. Also in these Irish books, there are Amazon warriors mentioned, an attempted invasion of Ireland by the Greeks and Romans. Ireland was a pretty big place in the Atlantic Ocean. Like it was so many ancient civilizations who were interacting with it. So then, yes, this idea of the storm, right? Mm -hmm. This is what you were saying. Like, can we explain that one? Because so Plato describes how Atlantis was swallowed by the sea. And there was in the stone. Stone Age, a huge tsunami which pretty much decimated Stone Age Ireland. Oh. Virtually like every culture on Earth has an origin story that involves a great deluge, you know, obviously like the biblical flood, but there are so many different versions of ancient history about huge tsunamis or a, a flood that takes out a civilization. These ancient Irish texts that they found even contain, like they contain names of flood survivors who managed to escape by boat or people who reached higher grounds and managed to survive. There are folk tales of giant tsunamis in Ireland going back 12,000 years ago and similar ones in Scotland too and this is where it starts to get fucking crazy okay <laughs> this blue wait this is where it starts to get crazy yes 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 so okay what could have caused this sort of what is seemingly a global apocalyptic event right so many of these cultures have tales of floods that either decimate the landscape or completely ruin civilizations and these accounts of like very few civilizations Why is it that every single one of civilizations has this? Was there some sort of global apocalyptic event? And the answer is yes. While a local localized tsunami affecting Ireland could have easily just been like an an earthquake, an ocean earthquake, the Keystone University have come to 
believed that there was a huge cosmic impact, a much smaller version of what happened to the dinosaurs. But they believed that a comet struck the Atlantic Ocean at a place called Puerto Rico Trench, and it triggered this huge tsunami, epic global rainfalls, flooding, ocean volcanoes, earthquakes. It was a pretty big cosmic impact, right? Okay. And gravitational anomalies, when you're surveying the Earth and you're surveying geology, gravitational anomalies often signal a cosmic impact, which is why they think that this comet or something struck at the Puerto Rico Trench. NASA scientists report that beneath the trench, there's a mass so dense that its gravitational pull causes the ocean to dip and it affects all navigational instruments. Guess where the Puerto Rico Trench is? Where? It's in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I should have known we weren't going to get out of this without talking about the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) So the Bermuda Triangle, therefore, arguably, exists because a comet struck that place and that causes a gravitational pull that affects all navigational instruments and that's how people get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. R.I.P. and peace to uh, Amelia Earhart. And they have been able to date the anomaly of this comet strike to about 11,600 years ago, which perfectly matches the end of the Younger Dryas period, which is a time of extreme flooding, rising sea levels. There's evidence for a huge tsunami that impacted the Caribbean at this point, definitely the Mediterranean and all around that area where we get a lot of these ancient stories of flood. Mm -hmm. There is so much scientific evidence for a cataclysmic event at a time in history when many independent cultures around the world speak of this global flood. And so that was probably the exact same time that Atlantis, or Ireland, is said to have drowned. And that's, uh, that's my that's my story, the new theory of Atlantis. That's your Topeka? That's my Topeka. That is very strong because, well, first of all, I just like, the, the last thing that you said has like that real energy of like my absolute favorite screenshot from like a local news story where it says... <laughs> It's like a it's like a quote like thing like you know when they like they'll put up like a big quote graphic mm-hmm. and the quote is what are you gonna do stab me and then underneath it it says quote from man stabbed and <laughs> that's how I feel <laughs> that's how I feel about what you just said where you're like yeah and it's crazy it turns out there's scientific evidence for a massive flood at the exact same time that all of these historical texts from around the world says that there was a massive flood <laughs> and it's like it's like I know what you're saying but it's so funny to hear it like said that way where it's like hey turns out like ancient people weren't lying no you really just was we figured it out we've independently uh we've independently verified uh that they weren't a bunch of fucking liars and there right. really was a, a but flood. i think that like so many at this point because of weird uh like americanization of christianity and the bible i think that there's uh, this sort of like pervasive idea that like you know it's like quote-unquote bible stories and yeah. it's like little Noah gets all his animals onto a boat. I think that it's, it's super interesting to be able to like geographically say, oh yeah, here is evidence of a absolutely apocalyptic, catastrophic flood that would have taken out millions of people in like a lot of lives. Right. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And then there's like, you know, some asshole on like evangelical closed circuit TV, like, yeah. And it was 3,500 years ago. And it's like, no, shut up. No, it so was what we're not. talking about. <laughs> it was not. It was saying what you get. So. And you get what you get and you don't throw fit there was a flood just take the w (laughs) just take it but i would never have imagined that the city the legend in the city of atlantis could be tied up with the same flood off of nowhere and stuff you know it's pretty fun yeah it's pretty i mean it does feel like it does feel like you have just been handed a concept for like some like a lifetime based young (laughs) 
I was gonna say like some faith-based young adult series. Oh. Like Yes. The yeah. like Noah and the boys go off course and actually they like meet the people of Atlantis. Yeah, they hang out in Atlantis and they fall in love. Oh, I love but that. They... And then it's actually like Noah is Aquaman. Oh shit. TM 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 Get out of here. Everybody. TM. Don't yeah, even. that was DM'd. That was DM'd. 100%. And you heard that. Don't you heard it here steal. first. Okay, well, yeah. I'm gonna give you ten points right off the bat for that incredible young adult faith-based uh, series <laughs> that you just pitched. Thank you very much. Aquaman Noah, working title. <laughs> working title, of course. I love it, um, I love it. Gonna give you another three points, because you got the Titanic mentioned in there, that's important, that's important. That is part of it, that's very important to this show. I did have to take off, like, a couple points, because I had to look up what temperate meant in, the, in terms of climates. Oh. Uh, when you said that about Ireland, uh, and that made me feel like a little dumb so two points for that but i'm gonna give back three points uh, because when i had to ask about plato uh you were really nice about it so i barely know who plato is (laughs) Uh, and i'll be the first to say never read one of his texts yeah, you're like, uh, look, I can't know. Like, don't explain. Yeah. I have this image that primary or, like, secondary education in in, in Europe uh, <laughs> and the UK and stuff, like, focuses a lot more on the classics than, like, my American public school education did, which is to say, like, absolutely zero. Well, here's so... the thing, is that only because I, like, elected to do that, it was, like, a specialist subject. Of, oh, fun. Like, you could do, like, Greek tragedies and also temples and pots and stuff. It was, like, all in one. It was very strange, but I enjoyed it. Tragedies, temples. And pots. Pretty much. And the Odyssey. <laughs> Poems, That's tragedies, okay, I have to say, temples, pots, and plays. You got me there, Bestie. We did read the Odyssey in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. I forgot that that we did that, but we did do that. I feel like we mostly watched that abysmal animation of the Odyssey. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> we watched not in school, but just it was around the same time. We watched that uh um Brad Pitt vehicle Troy. Oh yeah, sure. And I, I was mean, like, oh I, I also believe that we watched that in classics too, and I was like, I am paying for this education you're like that's just his butt what that are they doing here butt. yeah i also liked it because i um i love like spooky ireland stuff like in mm-hmm. my like fantasy life where i've made 2.5 million dollars i live in that Correct. hotel yeah uh and i just like write like i just go around and like research things that i want to write about and then i write about them yeah i've always wanted to go like spend time in ireland and find out about like all the like spooky ancient stuff that's going on there well now you can go uh, and you can be like i'm in i'm in atlanta right now and I'm just simply in a what I mean like if I weren't in like an incredible relationship what a fun pickup line that would be hey did you know that we're in the city of Atlantis right now hey like do you want to buy me a drink to say welcome to Atlantis and they'd be like what are you talking about (laughs) just my incredible Irish accent hello there love what could you mean and you're like I'm simply weak for you (laughs) yeah and I'm like oh please continue to speak We've gotten really, we've gotten incredibly off topic. We're just two old horny ladies. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, I'm about to turn 30 and I'm not even thinking about it. It's true. No, she's never thought about it. Not one time. Don't don't even ask her about it. Don't. And I'm having a really normal reaction to it, which was I haven't thought about it until about 10 days ago. And now I'm having a meltdown. It's Um, okay. Bro Burnham has a song for you. I know he does. I know. And he looking like a snack in it too. So. Yeah. Oh, I have a what about. Oh, tell me. Holston on Netflix. Oh, yeah, with the jumpsuit guy. With the jumpsuit guy, played by Mr. Ewan McGregor, who 
who's doing his thing up on that screen, which is mostly a lot of cocaine and anal sex, but also designing fashion. And it's so good. And it made me weep. At and like also, the getting railed? Well, no. Is it because he turns 30? That <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yep. It's because he turns 30 and parties at Studio 54 with Liza Minnelli. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> and you're like, that could be me. Well, I'll take you to a coconut club uh, in about five weekends, because that'll be the first time that we have a free weekend again. This is true. We're yeah. pretty booked. But... We're pretty booked. <laughs> yeah, but then I'll take you to Club Coco. And it, it's not quite Studio 54, but it is a very fun dance club. So, Well, there we go. Well, so, so shout out to anyone listening from Ireland that slash Atlantis pretty cool yeah you guys are the real winners of this episode chelsea apparently we have folks who listen to us in zimbabwe so shout oh, out to awesome. you guys hi shout out shout out to zimbabwe thanks for listening that's super cool that's so exciting um thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and chelsea where can people find you on the internet if they want to if they want to they can find me at chelsea harfouche wherever internets are sold and actually i have a favor to ask our oh. dear listeners that's social media related <laughs> So we've been thinking and we feel like something that would be important to like the next step of growing this podcast um, is to get more guests on the show that are maybe uh, not our friends and loved ones. <laughs> not that those aren't fun because they're really fun. And, we and like we're them. blessed. Yeah. Well, and we're blessed to also have like a bunch of friends and loved ones that are like very funny and also just like professionally successful in being like funny. True. So, like, that just happens to be like something that we're lucky about. Mm-hmm. But uh, just for like outreach purposes maybe it'd be great to get somebody who was like good at being funny who was followed who was not followed by everybody that already follows us and knows about our podcast correct it's a a strategy thing so (laughs) what i was gonna say was if there is somebody in your world that you wish would be on what that you would be like that would be so funny if oh that would be super fun to have i wish mayor from east town was on what (laughs) then you're just gonna want to go ahead and tweet at kate winslet i doubt she has a twitter but like you're just going to go ahead and tweet at whatever like comedian, podcaster, content creator, person that yeah. you think would be fun on the show and just tweet at them, send them a message on Instagram, whatever your social media DOC is mm-hmm. uh, and just be like, hey, you should be on what this pod? And, be and they'll fun. be like, what's that? <laughs> and it's going to be just that simple. And it's going to oh. be, it's going to be that simple. And that's when we swoop in and we say, it's this. It's us. It's us. <laughs> Sent you a DM and then like a little winky emoji. Cute. It's incredible. Aww. Well, they will, and you can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and I think that is it. And you can find our website at thosetwogirls.club and send us a message if you want us to say something fun on the podcast. And maybe this week, I don't know, um, go learn something. Uh, look, if you keep it loose, yeah. you keep it tight, yeah. and you say your prayers at night mm-hmm. maybe Noah will come out from Atlantis and uh, <gasps> give you a little like water hug Aquaman don't worry he still looks like Jason Momoa in the movie yeah, but he's just no he's but Jason Momoa also- <laughs> ah! anyway unforgivable incredible what am I